he's not painting a picture in the book of Judges of people who are lost or people who are not, don't know any better. But he's talking about God's people. And as we see God's people in the book of Judges, it paints a very, very glim picture. Because the first uh, chapters of Judges takes us through the cycle, the sin cycle of the people as they would follow God for a little bit, but then they would find their way prosperous, and they would start running after uh, pagans and idols and not obeying the Lord, and then the Lord would bring them into a time of judgment. And in that time of judgment, in their sorrows, they would realize that what had gone wrong is that uh, they had disobeyed God. And God would raise up a judge to bring them back, and that judge would lead them in restoring them. And they would do all right for the life of that judge, but after times had passed, and after that leader that God had raised up had passed away, man, they just went back to the old thing. And so it was a church, it was a people of God that was just lost in a cycle that never could build any momentum. And they just persisted in that pattern for over 400 years. And if that isn't really bad enough, the end of the book of Judges tells us some stories. It tells us three stories uh, about to show us and to illustrate how bad the times were and how bad the people of God were during this period of time. It tells us about this man who went and found a Levite, and he hired this Levite to be his own personal priest. He had so much money and he had so much wealth, he said, you know what, I'm going to hire my own priest, and I'm going to have my own religion, and I'm going to serve God the way that I want to. You know, I'm not worried about God's instructions. I'm not worried about what the law says. I'm just going to have my own preacher, and I'm going to do this whole God thing my way. And then he told us the story about the tribe of Dan, who, because of their unfaithfulness, was unable to conquer the territory that God had given to them. And so they decided they'd take the easy way out. And so they went, and as they went along, they wound up and found this uh, priest that uh, this other guy had bought and said, hey, I'm going to hire you to be our priest, and we're going to find this other people to conquer and we're going to conquer them, and we're going to take their land because we can't accomplish what God wants us to do. We can't conquer the land that God wants us to conquer, so we're just going to go it our own way. And then it tells us a horrible story from the tribe of Benjamin about a people who were so lost that they committed hideous acts to the point that all the people, all of the brothers, when they heard about it, they were so outraged at what they had done that they sent and they vowed themselves that they would just go and destroy them almost to a point where they were almost gone and almost extinct until finally they relented. And they made an oath that they wouldn't commit any of their children to marry any of the people of the tribes of Benjamin. But then they regretted their oath. And so what they did to get out of this oath is they found a loophole in it. And he said, well, let's find the people who weren't here that day. We made that oath, and let's let them marry the tribes of Benjamin so they won't be wiped out. And the book of Judges ends with this statement. It said, in the times before the kings... The people did what was right 
in their own sight. And so you had the people of God during this time in complete unfaithfulness. There were those who were lost in a cycle of sin and repentance. And then there were those who were just doing things their own way. They were serving God the way they thought was best. And I think that that really describes a lot of us. And I'm not talking about the whole world or the lost world or the pagan world or those people over there. I'm talking about the people of God. We have people of God, God's people, maybe even some here in this church that just live their lives in the steady cycle of sin and repentance, of going away from God, it not working out, and them coming back. And then there are those of the people of God who are just doing their religion and are just doing their faith their own way, doing what's right in their own sight. But the book of 1 Samuel talks about a movement that God is about to do that he wants to remove those people who are lost in the cycle of sin and repentance and those who are doing religion their own way. He wants to remove those people. And he wants to bring in the people who follow God and are after his own heart. And this morning, I want us to read the first Samuel as he introduced to even in the midst of all of the paganism and all of the disobedience, that there are still those who are faithful to God. And as we read this scripture this morning, I want us to ask in our heart, who are we? Are we the people who are doing things our own way? Are we the people who still remain faithful to God? 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1, says this. It says, There was a certain man of uh, Ramathimon, of Zephyrin, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Echaniah, Elkaniah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tabu, son of Ephu, of an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was was Panama, and Panam had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from the city to, to from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, uh, Hephoah and uh, Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. One of the on one of the days when the sacrifice uh, would give a portion to um, Penaniah, his wife, and all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her, her rival used to provoke her grievously, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So he went year by year, as often as she went up, to the house of the Lord. She used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart so sad? 
Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli looked to her as a drunkard, as a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For as long as I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation, then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Roma in Eklam, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come here this morning, Lord, and to worship you. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, as we just spend these next few moments in your word, Lord, that our hearts are open. And Lord, that you'll challenge us all, Lord, that we are faithful to you, even when those around us are not faithful. Lord, give us strength and courage to always follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Even in the midst of all the unfaithfulness that was during this time, God introduced us to a faithful family. He introduces us to two people who are faithful. And their faith in God and their faithfulness to God is demonstrated in a few ways that we see in this account. First of all, we see their faithfulness demonstrated in their act of worship and in their going to worship. You see, this act of worship, them going to Shiloh to make this sacrifice, they were doing so in obedience to God and His command. And so they were worshiping God in obedience to God, and they were worshiping and sacrificing to Him in obedience to Him. And so they were demonstrating their faithfulness to God by worshiping them even though other people didn't. Even though maybe the rest of the people there in their town didn't go to Shiloh to worship God. Even though the rest of the people in their town and in their tribe and in their community, even if those people didn't worship God, they were going to worship God. And I think too many times in our life we worry about what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is not doing. But what we need to focus on is what are we doing? How are we being faithful to God? What did uh, 
What did Joshua say to the people of Israel? He said, look, y'all worship who y'all want to worship. Y'all want to worship God? Fine, y'all worship God. Y'all want to worship somebody else? Y'all want to worship Baal? Y'all want to worship Buddha? Y'all want to worship Muhammad? Y'all want to worship whoever? Y'all just go ahead and do what you want to do. But as for me, I am going to worship God Almighty. I'm going to worship the Lord. Me and my house, we're going to be in church. Me and my house, we're going to follow God. Me and my house, we're going to pray. Me and my family, we're going to show up. Me and my family, we are going to follow Christ. I'm not looking around to see what y'all are doing. I'm not looking around to see what's popular on TV. I'm not looking around thinking about what people are saying about me. But I am being faithful to God because God has shown me His love. And God says for me to pray, therefore I pray. God says for me to be in His house and to worship with His people, therefore I'm here. And so I show my faithfulness in my worship, regardless of what everybody else is doing. But here, watch this. They showed their faithfulness in worshiping, even though the leaders in the church were worthless scumbags. They said they went to the temple to worship, and there serving as priests were uh, Eli's two sons. And in chapter 2, we are recognized, or we are given attention to about how worthless these people were, that they used their position as an opportunity for self-gain. It was about them and how they were taking advantage of the, uh, the women that were working there and how they took advantage of their position to gain money and to gain food and to gain things from themselves. And it would have been easy. It would have been easy for... Um, for Hannah and her husband to say, you know what, man, them people up at church are just worthless. I'm not going. But they stayed faithful to God, even when the people of their own church were not faithful to him. And that's very directly the opposite of of most of us. Most of us, you know, will say, you know, I'm not going down there to to Pine Grove no more because they're just a bunch of hypocrites. I'm not going down to Pine Grove because that preacher, he's just sorry. But he decided in their mind that God has commanded us to be in his house to worship. So I'm going to show faithfulness to him, even though the other people at church may be a little sketchy. They showed their faithfulness by showing to worship. And year by year, they came and worshiped and made their sacrifices. But also, we see faith demonstrated in Hannah's prayer. In Hannah's prayer. You look at uh, her, and she went to worship. She went to worship even though people uh, uh, around her wasn't. And even though that the... Priests and some of them were no good. But it really wasn't always an exciting time for Hannah because every time they would go with the family to worship, they would have the feast after the sacrifices and they would sit down there at the dinner. And um, Hannah had a rival wife. And I don't know if you noticed this, but you know, men. You know, we got our problems of getting along with each other. 
And uh, every once in a while, you know, we'll have to take it outside and we have to fight it out or we have to yell it out or uh, we have to shoot it out. But we'll get it worked out and uh, we'll, we'll move on about our business. But let me tell you, y'all women are mean to each other. And, uh, and so there was the rival wife, and she had children, and Hannah wasn't able to. And so this other wife, she would just taunt her, and her would agonize her. And as they would go to the, the, the service each day, would just uh, look, and they would say, hey, look at those precious children. You know, uh, you know, look at all these sons and daughters that you have. And of course, everybody, all the family gets together. You know, everybody wants to play with the kids. And and Hannah didn't have any. And she would just rub it in and agonize it. And this went on year after year after year. But yet still, Hannah was faithful to pray and to worship God. And so she carried this concern to God. And it was a great vexation to her, and she still remained true in her worship, and she still remained true in her prayer, and even though that she faced a life of constant torment by not only her wife that was uh, trying to torment her, but also her husband who really didn't know how to help and sometimes said the wrong things, you know, um, uh, Elkanah, God bless him, he tried to make it better. He tried to say something to make her feel better. And I know a lot of times, and uh, you'll get in positions where people are going through hard times and you're trying to think of the words to say and uh, to make them feel better, to, to comfort them. And uh, you search for those words, and then you wind up saying uh, something that uh, really sometimes make it worse. And I think that's what, uh, what Elkanah did here. He would try to give her a a double portion of food to let her know that she was even more important to her than, uh, than, uh, than the other wife and that he loved her just as much and not as more, even though that she had children. But sometimes he would say things that sometimes didn't make sense or make things better. He would say to her that, uh, you know what, uh, why are you so sad? Ain't, ain't I better than you, the nine sons? Now, I know most of you husbands think you, think you are that good. But uh, here's a word of, uh, of a wisdom, and it's something that even a single man knows, that when a man says something to his wife, it's going to be wrong. So just do the best that you can. But Hannah faced a time of constant torment of the people who torment her and the people who tried to help but didn't really know how. But she stayed constant in her worship, and she stayed constant in her prayer. She took her concern to God, and she went before him each and every year that this parade would take place. They would go to the place of worship. They would sit down to the dinner to celebrate And it was just a scene of torment for her. And she was so tormented and so vexed and so upset that she went and prayed to God. And she prayed not just a little simple prayer that sometimes we would pray, 
Not those prayers that we pray quickly before we go to bed because we're ready to go to bed. Not those little prayers that we pray before we eat because we're ready to eat. But she prayed in bitterness and torment. She cried out and prayed to God, even though in her heart it may have felt like that God wasn't here. She stayed persistent in that prayer. Even though it seemed maybe that God had forgotten her, even though it may have seemed that she was cursed, she faithfully went to God, lifting up that concern in prayer. And she kept praying, even though she hadn't had what she had asked for. And we get a sense about what level of the heart that she prayed to God with is that she was praying so hard out of such miserable in her heart and her life. She was sitting there, right there in public, and she was praying, and she was moving, and her lips were moving, but no words were coming out of her mouth. And there was uh, Eli, and he was standing on the post, and he was looking over there at, at this woman, and he thought that she was just this drunk woman. There's just this crazy woman over here praying. And so he dresses her, hey, why don't you just stop drinking? Look, you need to, uh, you know, put, your, uh, put that alcohol up and you need to, to get right with Jesus. And he said to her, I'm not drunk. I am just sorrowful and bitter and miserable in heart. Have you ever been able to pray in those circumstances? When your heart is bitter when your spirit is crushed, when you're angry, can we still muster the strength and the faithfulness to lift up our voices to God? Because it's in those times of our bitterness and our vexation and our trouble is when we need prayer the most. And so she prayed to God. And Eli spoke in the word of prophecy and said that the Lord has granted your request. And I want us to know something here. Notice something here. Eli just spoke the word that God had heard her and granted her request. And after he said those words, even though that nothing had happened yet, even that there was no visible sign a fulfillment of that. She got up. She got up. She stopped crying. She took off that frown. And she put on a smile of happiness. And she marched right back into that banquet hall. And sat down and eat. Because she had so much confidence. In the word of God. In the word of God. She knew that that prayer was answered before she even saw a result of it. She didn't wait till she had that baby to be happy and to thank God. But as the moment the word spoken, she began acting as though it had already taken place. And how many times does our prayer change our heart in such a way that as we hear the God, 
Speak to us. And as we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us, us to say that, hey, I got this. I'm going to take care of this. That we wake up in full assurance and confidence that he's going to give it. That we actually start living like he's already done it. She had faithfulness in her prayers. They showed their faithfulness in their worship but they also showed their faithfulness in following through with the promise that they had made. Look at what it says in verse number 20. And it says, At the time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. In other words, what that name means is that the Lord has heard me. Isn't that great to know that the Lord hears us? And it says, the man Elkaniah and all of his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay pay their vows. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that I may appear in in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkaniah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best for you. Wait until you have weaned. Uh, weaned him, only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she until he was weaned. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with her with a three-year-old bull and a ephod of flour and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slaughtered the bull, And they brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who's standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have sent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord. Hannah made a promise to the Lord. And God fulfilled his end of the promise. And Hannah showed her faithfulness to the Lord by fulfilling the promise that she had made to him. Now, I just think about where I would be in my spiritual walk if uh, I would do all the things that I promised God would do, uh, that promised God that I would do. You know, if every time... I got into a bind, and I said, Lord, if you help me out here, I would do this. And if every time the Lord had helped me out, if I would do the thing that I said I would do, I would probably be a lot better off. And I know many of us think in our hearts, man, of just what a great church this could be, what a great community this could be, how on fire for God we could be, and all that we could accomplish if just we would do all those things that we promised God we would do. You know, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't have it even to get to, uh, to obeying the, to the Scripture for us to turn out great and for just this church to do great things. If we would just do the things that we promised and said to God that we would do, we'd be a whole lot better off. And we'd be in a lot better relationship with Jesus Christ. And this church would be a lot greater place if we would just fulfill the promises to which we have made with God. Because all the times when we get in a bind, say, Lord, if you help me out, 
Lord, I'll serve you. Lord, if you get me out of this bind, Lord, I'll, I'll serve you. Lord, if you provide a way for me to work out of this financial situation, I'll do this. God always proves himself faithful to us. But our faithfulness to him is a bit shaky sometimes. And as soon as we receive the fulfillment of those promises, we forget what it was that we vowed to God. But Hannah and Elkanah showed their faithfulness by following through with the vow that they made and keeping their promise and keeping their word to God. And it was something that they both had to do because under the law, if a wife or a daughter that lived in your house uh, made a vow or made a promise, and as soon as the, the husband or the father heard of it, he had the right that if he opposed it could say, no, you can't do that, and it would cancel out that vow. And so Elkaniah had to go along with this. And as he told, and as uh, Hannah had told him, hey, this is what I promised to God when I, when I prayed, then once he heard that, he had to give voice to it and say, hey, I'm on board with that. And so they came together, and they made that promise together, and they honored God together by showing their faithfulness, by fulfilling the promise that they had made to God. And if we would follow through on our promises to God, then we would show our faith to the world. They showed faithfulness to God. What would give them that type of faithfulness? To obey God even though when nobody else around them was? To be faithful and to obey God even though the church was a little shaky and a little sketchy? To be faithful to God where it seems that she lived a life and they lived a life of torment and anguish. We get a little glimpse of that. And we really get a good glimpse of Hannah's heart as we read the song that she wrote in chapter 2. And so let's read this together. And it says, beginning with verse number 2, I mean, um, verse number 1, it says, My heart exalts the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth declares my enemies. Because I rejoice in your salvation, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Take no more... Uh, so very proud, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. From the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him the actions are weighed, and the bows of the mighty are broken, and the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind up strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those uh, who were hungry have ceased their hunger. The barren have borne seven, but she who has many children is forborn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol, and he rises up. The Lord makes the pure and makes rich. He brings low, and he exalts. He rises up the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash peat. He makes them sit with princes, the inherit the seat of honor. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. 
He has guarded the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by night shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his kings and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Eklund went home in Ramah. And the boy was ministering in the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. There were two principles in Hannah's theology that allowed her to be faithful. The number one thing he said, she, she said and that she recognized is that the Lord was Lord over all. He is God and he is ruler over everything. And he is the source of all of good gifts. He desires or he takes and he makes our lots in life. He brings us high and he brings us low. He is the responsible for every good thing that comes in our life. He is Lord of all. And the second thing she recognized is that the Lord blesses those who are faithful to him. And those were the two pillars that are revealed to us in her song that shows us what allowed her to be faithful. And so if we truly, if we truly believe him to be the Lord of all, if we truly believe him to be the Lord of history, that he is powerful to bring us good gifts, that he is powerful to bring us high or to set us low. And if we believe that he truly rewards those who seek after him and who are faithful to him, why on earth would we not be faithful to the Lord? Why on earth would we abandon the Lord because everybody else is? Why on earth would we seek it to do it our own way when the Lord is so good to you and me? We get to see this morning, we remember the precious gift of motherhood and how children, all children, are a gift from the Lord. And I know it's hard sometimes when they test you and when they're up all night and they treat you like an ATM machine to remember that they truly are a gift from the Lord. But we remember this morning that they are. And we're grateful for God's great gifts. And we ask that we be like Hannah and we be like Elkaniah and that we show our faithfulness to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, Lord. And Lord, this morning we just come in thanksgiving for all of your precious gifts, for the gifts of family, for the gifts of children, for the gifts of husbands and wives, and mothers and fathers. Lord, we know that you are the giver of all things. And Lord, you are Lord of all things. 
And so this morning we search our hearts and ask ourselves, are we just rolling in a circle of going away from you and then coming back? Are we just living a life of where we're just living for you the way that we want to live? Doing what seems best in our own eyes. Or are we truly being faithful to you by living lives of obedience, prayer, and worship to you? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.